time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. You know, many financial circumstances that you'll find yourself in have both positive and negative aspects. Decisions that you can make have both good and, you know, bad consequences. Or as Sir Isaac Newton once put it, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the way that an advisor should walk people through the processes that go along with some various predicaments and explore the double-edged sword situations that sometimes we find ourselves in. Welcome to the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Glenn Mosseller. He is your registered financial consultant and founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting with an office in Greensboro on Mears Chapel Road. You can find him online at roadmapfinancial.com. Glenn, do you ever uh, meet with clients sitting across from the table from you and kind of run into some of these situations where, oh, yeah, kind of there's some good here, but there's also some bad, that double-edged sword? Well, no, I mean that that happen that happens on a regular basis, Walter, because it's you know there's there's you know there's 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 certain things that that may have absolutes, but oftentimes you know there's I mean there's almost always pros and cons, right? And and then you have to real realize, okay, well there, there's there's this set of circumstances, and then and then there's your circumstances. You know how does this fit into where you are? What is you know more important is as you know as we look at the, all the pros and cons, and for some people it's going to be this, and other people's it's going to be that. But um, you know, there's no there's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it's it, there's almost I mean, it, the more you look at something, and the more you analyze something. There's there's always there's all these different ways to look at it and all these different angles about what, you know, you know, what the what the ramifications might be, you know, depending upon you know what you're doing and when you're doing it. Right. Well, let's look at some specific examples and uh, situations where we see this happen. Sometimes you'll meet with somebody and I'm sure that they're in a spot like this where they want to sell some stock to take advantage of the terrific growth that they've seen the past couple of years, perhaps. But at the same time, they don't want to deal with the taxes that it's going to create. Yeah, I'd like to realize those gains, Glenn, but what about that tax bill? Right, right. Well, there's an old there's an old uh, adage that says, you know, don't let the tax tail wag the dog, right? And so, you know, you that that said, right, you I mean, you don't necessarily only want to make decisions because of the, you know, because of taxes, but it, it is still becomes part of the calculation, right? And so, you know, there are some situations where the tax bite be might be more than than other circumstance. Sometimes you think in terms of, you know, maybe, you know, if somebody has had, you know, they've had a, maybe a difficult year in a particular year and their income is down, right? And, you know, and yet they've got these gains that are in their in their portfolio. Well, you know, and that's in that scenario, if, they, if they're if they're having an off year, so to speak, with with their income and 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 they and they have the opportunity where that they may be able to take some risk off the table. You know, maybe that's a that's, a, that's an opportunity to be able to do that with and have less you know tax impact. Right. Or you may have a scenario where, you know, maybe maybe you're getting ready to retire, you know, next year and and you, you know, you're you're sitting there and you you, you have a, a lot of gains, you know, sitting in your portfolio and you say, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I don't want to leave all of this exposed to, you know, to the risk of the market. But I'm going to keep a real close eye on it as, as you know, as we move towards, you know, as we move towards next year. And, if, you know, if you're going to retire next year, again, it's kind of the same situation, except it's, it's kind of reversed. And that, and that we're thinking, hey, your, your, you know, your income may be lower next year 
because of you know you, you may work part of the year or and then and then retire or maybe you're going to retire the first part of the year and there might be an opportunity there to you know to be able to take some you know take some profits and and take some of those gains and have have less impact but then again you might be in a situation where none of that's true you're working along your income's normal and you're not planning to retire for quite some time well, you know, or maybe you're retired and your and your and your income is is you know is very steady and it is what it is and and you're and and you've got a good plan in place, but there's there's still that situation where you know you you know you've got you've got some you know you've got gains on the table you know that are there and you and you know you don't you don't really want to take the tax hit, but at the same time you don't want to take the market hit either, and so sometimes it's like maybe you take part of those profits or you know and then take with another part of the you know the following year. That's when it comes into play in terms of looking at your overall you know, income planning strategy, your tax planning strategy and being aware of, you know, how taxes act and, and you know, and, and working with your advisor and your tax preparer to, you know, to, to really, you know, make, make a wise decision about when and how you do something. And this is one of those situations where it might get a little complicated. And sometimes the more complicated it gets, people tend to shy away from making those choices and those, and those decisions. However, you know, it, it's 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 important that you know, that, that you, you know that I've found that in life, it's like if you if you deal with a, you know a difficult decision, you know the faster you do that, you know the probably the better off you are, and the and the more choices you end up having if you just if you just step up and say, okay, I've got to figure this out and let's make some decisions, you know. And but it, it, again, I mean, I think you can kind of see with the different examples that that there are different there are different scenarios where you might want to do this versus that, or you do you know or do it in a different order depending. But you know, again, the the big deal is is that yeah, you know, you don't want to necessarily leave yourself you know overexposed to risk, particularly at certain you know phases of life. But you also want to kind of take other other pieces into into account. And sometimes there, you know you have a composite answer. You know you have this you have this you know arguing this case and another another fact arguing another case, and then you have to kind of balance that out and and make those make those choices and and probably with you know with your you know your your team or your your advisors. It's a great point, Glenn, and I think that's one of the things we've got to make sure that we keep in mind as we go through all of these. Um, just because something is a double-edged sword doesn't mean that the other side of that sword is a bad thing. It's sometimes a, a, just a cost-of-doing-business sort of thing. Um, other times, though, it can be a very difficult other side of the, of the sword, and we see that in this next situation. You know, somebody just received a big her- inheritance. Um, what a blessing, but at the same time, you're mourning the loss of a loved one going through that. So you have some very difficult emotions to work through, as well as a big change, perhaps, in your financial life that may have been expected or unexpected. Well, no, that's exactly right, Walter. And, you know, and so, you know, I mean, there are going to be different scenarios with that. I mean, like you say, I mean, sometimes it's 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 altogether unexpected. And sometimes, you know, you're going to be, you realize that it was going to happen at some point, and maybe you knew you know, that you were going to get an inheritance, but maybe you didn't know how much or some, maybe, maybe you did, but you know, those are all different kind of, you know, situations and whatnot. But you know, the, the thing is, it's like, if it, if it's expected, you may have already done a little bit of, of pre-planning, not like to wishing that person away, but at the same time, realizing that the, Hey, this is going to be a reality and I need to have a plan. You know, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that, but obviously you're still going to have the, you know, the, the, you know, the emotions of, of, of mourning the, you know, the, you your loss. But, you know, you, you certainly, what I would always say is, is that you want to make sure 
that you, you know, you, you, you know, you give the, you know, you give the time to, you know, it's like, you know, you, it's just healthy to, you know, have a grieving process and a mourning process. And you do that. And what you really want to make sure that you do is that you, is that you either have a plan in place, if you know that there's going to be an inheritance, or if you got an unexpected inheritance, you know, that you, that you really work on, you know, putting a plan together about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it before you take a whole lot of actions and doing things. Because if you start just making, you know, decisions in, in an emotional place, you're very unlikely to make wise decisions. And, and it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just the fact that we see, we see, you know, so many scenarios and the vast majority of, of times when folks get inheritances, you know, particularly large inheritances, they end up spending through it a whole lot faster than they ever thought that they would just because they didn't have a plan and they and there was it, was, it wasn't as, as much discipline there as what they they could have they could have put in place had they planned for it before they started taking action and so you know it's you know you it's like wow you know you 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 know give you know you've got to you've got to have the time for you know for the morning but also say okay wow it was just that was really generous of them to leave that you know here for me and i you know and you know i want to make sure that i you know i i you know i'm i'm a good steward with that and and you do the right things and and make sure that you just don't blow it so to speak yeah that's a good point glenn and uh i know that that one is going to be different for every person involved uh trying to navigate through those emotions and dealing with the inheritance when's the right time to make decisions something you have to navigate through uh people through uh, very delicately and uh, with a lot of grace, I think. And that's one that, um, you know, has to be handled appropriately. That's where the double-edged sword is very sharp. And if you don't handle those situations well, you know, you can really mess up your financial situation or let those emotions get in the best get the best of you and, and maybe keep you from making good decisions. So always great to have a guiding hand in those kinds of situations, certainly. Another example, the double-edged sword, dealing with good and bad consequences from something that goes on in life. Let's say you want to put money in a Roth IRA, Glenn, so that it grows tax-free, but you also want to put it in a traditional IRA because I'd really like to get that tax deduction this year. You know, that's uh, my wife and I have dealt with, uh, and I'm sure everybody has kind of dealt with that struggle of: do we take the benefit now or the ben- put the benefit off till till later on? Is it a mix of the two? That's a double-edged sword that's sometimes hard to know the right thing to do. Well, it is, Walter. And, you know, you're going to be surprised that my, my, that my, <laughs> my answer is, is that it depends, right? But it really does depend because, you know, the idea of tax-free is really appealing to everybody. I mean, you, you know, it's nobody like, or at least nobody that I've ever met really likes paying taxes. And so, you know, there, when, you, when you're thinking about the Roth versus a traditional, obviously you kind of laid it out. I mean, the Roth, you pay the taxes on, on, the, on, the, on that income, you know, now. And if you put it into a Roth, then, you know, then, then what you put in there won't be taxed again. And, you know, you know assuming that you follow a couple of rules that are there, you know, the gains won't be taxed either. Right. At the same time, if you put if you put money into that traditional, you know, with pre-tax dollars into into the account, then you're making the agreement that I'm not going to you know, I'm going to get the tax deduction today and I'm not going to subject that to taxation until I draw the money out. Right. Well, you know, we go through this conversation, you know, with folks who are, you know, in the accumulation years where they're saving for retirement, as well as those who are, you know, found themselves to be at the preservation and distribution years of life. And, you know, it, 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 you know, one of the biggest one of the biggest uh, variables here is, is that, 
you know, you have to kind of ask yourself the question, you know, you know, what are going to be your, what is going to be your income source or sources, you know, when you're in retirement and, you know, how much income is going to come from that source? How is that going to go onto the tax return and how will that interact with the other things? And, you know, how much will the tax bite be? And so when we're thinking about that, you know, when, when, when I'm, when I'm working with folks, you know, a lot of times people think, well, you know, I want to have, you know, I want to have all this tax free and, and, and then so forth and so on. Well, that's great. But the thing you've got to remember, it, it's, it's critical when you're looking at the tax return. And I think, I mean, for most people, the tax return is kind of an intimidating thing because there's all these lines and all this different stuff. And it's, you know, technical terms and legal terms and everything that's on there. And it's, it's all condensed down to this, you know, couple pages of paper. But the reality is, I think almost everybody understands the idea of, you know, you have income, you total it up and then you have, you know, you have a, your total income and then you have deductions and, you know, and then, you know, and, and, and you know, when, when you get your total income, there may be some adjustments to that. Now you have your adjusted gross income, then you take deductions. And after those deductions, then you have your taxable income. I mean, most people get that basic notion of how, OK, we, we total it up and maybe there's some adjustments. And while we have that adjusted gross income, now deductions come into play. And then we and then after that all takes place and that calculation happens, now we have your taxable income. Well, the reality is, is that if you have all of your income in retirement be tax free and, you know, in, in that in that extreme example, you know, your adjusted gross income, you know, would be sitting at zero. Right. And everybody would say, you know, or a lot of people would say, well, what's wrong with that, Glenn? You know, if I've got no adjusted gross income, that means I've got I've got no taxes. And that's true. However, in that scenario, you had you had deductions that, you know, either single or married, you're going to have, you know, quite, you know, in, in this particular year, if you're retired, you know, if you were single, you know, you had somewhere around fourteen thousand dollars of standard deduction. If you're married, you know, it's going to be somewhere around, you know, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, depending upon how old you are, you know, twenty six to twenty eight thousand dollars of of standard deduction. Well, then what that really means in real terms is, is that if you're adjusted gross income, is you know is 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 at the same level as your as your deductions are. Guess what? If you had if you had let's say for instance you had twenty seven thousand dollars of adjusted gross income and twenty seven thousand dollars of deductions, that means that your taxable income was zero. So in that scenario, we've we have situations where folks can actually put money away, take the tax deduction. Right. And they and then and there's a mathematical formula for us to go through to, to figure out what is the ideal amount of money to have in a tax deferred account so that when you start taking it out, you can you know, you can literally offset, you know, that income that would be subject to taxation with deductions in such a way that you can have a very low or non-existent taxable income. So that's a long answer but i think you know that you know you 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 can follow what i'm talking about is is that it truly does depend but it's not necessarily a bad thing to have some tax deferred and tax free the question is is how much do you have in each of those buckets and do you have the right amount in each bucket and that's the that's the kind of planning that we help folks do so that we that we help you know be as tax efficient as you can be you know in retirement and if you've already been if you've already saved for retirement and you're and you're entering retirement 
environment or you're getting ready to, there's oftentimes, you know, planning that we can do, you know, that we can put into place that can adjust, you know, and can adjust things and make some conversions in such a way that you position your assets so that you, that you, that you, you know, you minimize your, your tax hit long term by by just making some choices and, and, and positioning assets and having some tax diversification versus only thinking about diversifications of the types of investments that you have. Yeah, it's great to get that level of in-depth analysis and a situation like that. And when you truly run the numbers for an individual, it'll help put the that conversation in perspective, the traditional versus the Roth and how much into each. Um, very helpful to dive that deep into it. Uh, this one I'm sure you see a lot, Glenn, people trying to figure out, all right, I don't want debt. I want to pay off my house. But at the same time, I don't want to lose the tax deduction that comes along with it. Is that a big enough concern to not go ahead and get rid of the house payment? Well, again, Walter, I mean, I mean that that's a that the house and equity and, and mortgages and all of that would you know I mean that could be that could be a whole show, right? And you know, ultimately, it kind of it kind of does depend a little bit in terms of you know how how are you dealing with that payment and how are you dealing with the you know the you know the amount of equity that's there? Are you going to stay in that house? Are you gonna Are you gonna downsize? Are you gonna upsize? Or you know, or what you know, what's the you know, ultimately, what are you gonna do with that asset? Or you know, in in your in your house, but you know, one of the you know one of the scenarios that that I that we come across a lot is is that you know folks want to get rid of that house payment, and they've got a whole bunch of money sitting in you know there, or maybe you know it could be a whole bunch, or it could be you know maybe just enough you know that that's sitting in in savings that's you know that's that's there, it's fully liquid, and you know and 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 all of that, and they feel like well gosh you know if I just take this out of this account and I and I put it against the house, well then my then my payment's gone, and then then I'm I'm in a much better place, and you know on the surface that may well be, however. If you if you're in that position, that means that you're in all likelihood you're in the you're in the you know the 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 last years of of the of that of that mortgage, right? And you know if you if you understand how you know how um, an amortized loan works, I mean you paid you know you in all in all likelihood you paid you know the vast majority of the interest up front, and as you get towards the the you know the tail end of 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 the you know the last years of the of the payments. Oftentimes, you have very, very little interest that's being paid, and 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 when in the vast majority of that payment is principal. Well, in that case, it's not really costing you that much necessarily. And if you if you if you take this big chunk of money out of one account and pay off pay off the house, well, yes, it's true that maybe that payment now goes away, but it's also true that you've lost the liquidity and control of that of of that money that was sitting in the account. And if most of your payment was going towards principal anyway, then you know you have you have more flexibility as to how you pay for, pay for things. And if something comes up, either an unex- unexpected expense or you know an opportunity to be able to take a trip or do an, any number of things. Then, if you oftentimes, if you if you if you if you took that lump sum of money and you put it into the house, now you, you know, we you, everybody's heard the you know the the expression being house poor, right? Where it's like you know you have a you have a whole lot of equity you know that's stored in your house, but you don't necessarily have easy access to it. 
And that's not necessarily the best place to be either. So, you know, surprise, surprise, Walter, you know, the answer is it depends. Right. And there and there are other there are other, you know, scenarios and other conversations that we could go in beyond that, you know, as to what type of mortgage, you know, should, does it make sense to ever have an equity line or a reverse mortgage or, or you know, or if I'm going to move, maybe maybe I worry about that, you know, and that decision as I move to the next house. There's there's any number of scenarios there that, that, that we could that we could go into. And there's different scenarios that says, hey, having an equity line might make sense in certain situations. A reverse mortgage can make sense as though, you know, even though a lot, a lot of folks are, you know, maybe not know a lot about that. But there are certain situations where that can make sense. You know, and, and so there's 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 all kinds of pieces to that puzzle. And that and that and, and home and home equity and, and housing wealth is is a, is a question you know that that really needs some more analysis because it's easy to make a decision based on you know only what you're thinking about or only what you know and if the, if you're if you start thinking about other other pieces of that and and what you're going to ultimately do um, sometimes you might come to a different conclusion if you if you go deeper into that analysis and, and into that into that thought and that's you know again that that becomes part of that whole planning of, you know, what is your income, what's your income plan, you know, and, and part of the income plan is, is what are your expenses going to be and, and how long are those expenses going to be there for you? And so I just say, you know, you know don't just, just make a snap decision. Well, I'm just going to do this. So this goes away. Well, that might end up being the, the ultimate answer. And maybe that's the right answer, but it might not be the right answer. So, you know, just, you know, you know, kind of be, be wary of making those, those types of decisions without the, the appropriate level of, you know, of, of looking at the, you know, the other sides of it and, and, and the impact that it can have with other, other parts of your financial life. We've covered a lot of ground, Glenn. Let's do one more example of where we see these double-edged sword situations in the financial world. Let's say you want to reduce the risk in your portfolio, but at the same time, well, you don't want to be on the sidelines and miss out on potential growth. And it's hard to have your cake and eat it, too, in a situation like that. Well, yes and no, Walter. Right? Okay. <laughs> but, haha, right? You know, very funny, Glenn. Yes or no? It depends. There's <laughs> lots of ways of saying the same thing. But you know, the the reality is, is that you know, it it really does depend upon where you are in life, right? I mean, if you're in the accumulation years, if you're in your 30s, 40s, you know, maybe even early 50s, you know, you might have a different answer to that than if you're in your you know mid to late 50s or 60s or beyond, right? And, you know, so you, you want to kind of be thinking along the lines of, well, what's the right amount of diversification, right? And we talked a little bit, a little bit earlier about having some tax diversification, right? And that for, for a lot of folks, that's kind of a new concept about having, you know, having this much money in this in this bucket that's going to be treated this way in the tax code and having an, an, another bucket that's going to be treated a different way. Well, the same the same thing holds true. I, I, you know, I'm a big advocate of of diversification of time frames. Right. Because you're going to when you when you're starting to think in terms of you're going to be drawing money out of your of your retirement savings. Well, it's just that it's retirement savings. And as you get to retirement now, it's been saved for retirement. So you're planning to draw that money out, right? And so when you think in terms of, well, what are you going to need for the next, you know, several years, you know, next five years, next 10 years? Well, that, that, that time, that time frame, 
you want to have you know you know less volatility and less risk tied to those dollars that you're going to be drawing out of that but if you've got money that is you know that is off in the distance you know maybe 10 years or longer you know way before you even think about touching it well then maybe that that portion of the portfolio you know, may have may have you know you may have more growth potential tied to that but uh, oftentimes what I find when I when I first start having conversations with folks is is that it's kind of all in one giant bucket right it's it's like there's you know there, there's not as much tax diversification as there, as as might be as efficient and, and or, or you know good for the particular plan that we could put together you know and also the the time segmentation is is is, is very rarely put into place but when we start thinking about that you know about that and saying okay well we're gonna we're gonna carve off this portion of money and it's gonna it is gonna serve your needs in terms of income for this number Number of years, and then you know, and then we have then we have the other that can be you know that can be positioned differently. That concept is you know is new to a lot of people, and then it's figuring out well, well, how much do I need here, and how much do I need there, and and what's the what's the appropriate level of risk, and you know, and all of that. But it comes into play, and so I guess what I'm telling you, Walter, is is sometimes you can have your cake and eat it too, but it, you know it it depends. I mean, maybe 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 that you know maybe that cake is uh, you know is you know is, is something that you're saving for later because it's going to be really good, and you're, you you don't want to eat it right away, if that makes sense. But in the meanwhile, you know you have to have you know, you have to be able to, to have your just your you know your your income in place for the next number of years, and then you're and you're letting that over there you know age like a fine wine. If if, if that to, to steal another a different analogy, so we can have cake and wine. There you go. <laughs> that'll be a that'll be a good deal for a lot of people. I think they'll be on board with that, Glenn. That's great. Um, great, good analysis. Uh, lots of different situations to cover on today's show, but you can see that there are certainly these positive and negative effects, or good and bad consequences, to many different situations in our financial lives, and we've got to be able to kind of see some of that good, see some of that bad, and react appropriately. If you need help guiding your financial plan through some of these turmoils, through some of these situations, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to Glenn. You can set up a time to meet for a complimentary free review of your plan. Get a free consultation by calling 336-291-3535. That's 336-291-3535. Or go online to roadmapfinancial.com and click on the free consultation button at the bottom of the page. We'll have another new episode for you next week, so come back and join us right back here on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Podcast. 